You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Well, Pascal, as you said earlier, we are fast approaching the 25th anniversary of The Fifth Element. And as I also said earlier on, I haven't actually seen this film until last night. I thought I had, but when I watched it last night, it didn't bring back any memories at all. So I obviously didn't see it. And here's another interesting snippet as well. My wife has seen it. Mrs. E, Trisha, has seen Fifth Element. I'm not sure how that happened. I think she must have watched it when I was away on a on a trip in the past or something like that. So, exciting stuff. Let's watch the trailer. Okay, Pascal, you tell me what your uh, thoughts are on Fifth Element, and then I'll tell you what I thought of it as a first-time watcher. I'll be honest with you, this is a very important movie to me. Um, 1997, I was there. I went three times <laughs> at the cinema to go and see this film. Once in Newcastle with, um, you know, Denise wasn't my wife then, but, you know, the twice in New in London with um, colleagues and so on. And th there was a combination of things. There was once this... Uh, feeling that this is going to be fun to watch. I mean, uh, in, and more than once, clearly. But I will confess a sense of national pride because <laughs> French director Luc Besson uh, pulled off quite something. I know that we're going to talk about the marketing in a moment, but it, it, for me, it was almost like he set himself the challenge of what if I was to do a family version, like a fun version of the best of Blade Runner, the best of Metropolis, and maybe the day the earth stood still so that, you know, younger audience can appreciate a science fiction as a genre. What could it look like? And we got the fifth element. And I mean, I've been watching it easily, you know, once a year, and I've got my multi-pass. I think that <laughs> movie is super green. 
and I can't wait to hear what you've got to say. Well, I really enjoyed it. I thought the visuals were stunning. Uh, I thought it was the, the the visuals were also a little bit goofy as well. I mean, the silly aliens at the start, the gigantic aliens with these gigantic bodies, and then these funny little heads that sort of wobble from side to side. Uh, fabulous visuals, great color palette. I really enjoyed the story. This whole idea of the, um, the, the 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 four stones and the fifth element being the, the the thing that binds them all together. And I was getting a very very strong Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vibe from this you know a little bit off the wall uh i I, some of the humor didn't land with me i thought some of it was a bit okay was that supposed to be funny don't think it was but there was there was things that i thought about there was the, the scene right at the start where the aliens land in ancient egypt and you know there's this great big scene where it builds up to them coming back in 300 years and rescuing the world and then they do come back in 300 years and then literally just get blown up by these other aliens over here i think oh that's a very hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy sort of thing that's exactly what douglas adams would have done so yeah i i really enjoyed it and i thought the story was great i thought the um, visuals were great bruce willis is always one of my favourites. I mean, I extended, expected him to say "Yippee ki yay, mother" <laughs> at some point <laughs> in the film, which he didn't. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely great. But the, I don't know. The, the tone to me was a little bit off, and I can't, I can't really quite describe. Maybe some of the humour just didn't didn't hit me. Uh, it just, I didn't really know whether it was trying to be a comedy or it was trying to be a bit too clever for its own good. But that was the only real sort of uh, downside for me. But, you know, apart from that, great film, enjoyed it. Absolutely. And if, like you, you are you know part of the, the strange... Uh, you know, uh, people who have not seen the fifth element like Roger, right. uh, we can agree that you're in for a treat. I mean, gather around family, friends, and and you're going to have a, a right giggle through. Because I think what what was interesting is whilst the world had been you know kind of crafted very 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 carefully. To your point, I don't think the actors and the directors took it too seriously or themselves too seriously. And and from what I could read, both in the French and international press, Luc Besson kept, you know, the the, the kind of the humor and, and the, the tone by they light throughout. I mean, literally to the point where people like Bruce Willis and Chris Tucker said, I have no clue what's going on, but I'm having, <laughs> I'm having a wonderful time. <laughs> so let's have a look at the marketing, Pascal. What did you dig out? Because you, you've done the research for this week. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, yeah, thank you, because as you know, it's a special movie for me. And, and I couldn't quite believe that 25 years I've gone past it. No, and you and I've mentioned on occasion anniversaries of movies, but sometime we were not around at all when yeah. it all it all began. But here I am thinking, yes, 97, I was around. And 97 was actually a tough year for the film release, probably because we were spoiled. I mean, you know, we had the new Jeb Spawn, we had the Star Wars Special Edition, there was Titanic, I mean, you name it. What what a busy year. Yeah, but in terms of marketing strategy, I kind of looked at four key elements and maybe one additional one, which is probably unplanned, and one could go as far as saying unwelcome elements. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if we start with, I suppose, naturally, the teaser campaign, and in 97, the first thing people heard about with regard to the fifth element was just through visual statements and 
for you, Roger, and obviously for our audience, uh, we'd have to use the theater of the mind. But we have a poster which is essentially um, space. You can just tell, you know, from the, the kind of uh, the stars, and five vertical lines, all kind of full of little sparks and and so on. And what is interesting. The one, the vertical line in the middle is a bit longer than the other four. And what is interesting is this is quite enigmatic. And until such time you see the movie till the end, you will not know what those five vertical lines are. But we have the beginning of a teaser campaign here, three images. Yeah. And again, it's very, very simple, isn't it? Really simple. And the wording as well, it must be found. The fifth element, summer 1997. Dead easy, dead simple. That's simple, and yet creates already the word of mouth and the reaction. Um, so quick question for you, Ashley. I'm intrigued. In the 90s and 2000s, were you aware of Luc Besson and his work? I have to say, probably not. I mean, looking back at his, you know, his back catalogue, The Last Battle, possibly remember that. Uh, I definitely remember Nikita. I think Nikita's mm -hmm. probably the one that stands out for me the most. That was about, wasn't that about a female assassin, I think, uh, maybe. Correct, But, yeah. but uh, yeah, the other ones I'm not sure about, to be perfectly honest. So the, the first teaser poster is pure graphics, you know, the, the five vertical lines. Then the second teaser is a phrase. It must be found with, with the letter S in a word, in a word, sorry, must uh, turn into five. Yeah, yeah. I seem to remember, but this could be false memory on my part, a third one, which was, um, what is the fifth element, mm. question mark. But mm. maybe it's something that I just imagined. And then we have, of course, teaser trailers, and those are very, very clever. And they were featured at the cinema. One of them asked to actually, when I went to see the special edition Star Wars uh, movie, where you have all four elements being count, counted down um, using different calligraphy. And then number five turns into this kind of a very enigmatic symbol. And then we have another one, which is all more to, to do with the title reveal. So again, not much is being, being shared with the audience until we get to the official trailer that mm. some of you watched and listened to. But here's the thing about this official trailer, as you know, all of us have realized, there is no dialogue whatsoever. Uh -huh. And it's interesting, isn't it, as well, because um, um, the the character of the fifth element, the sort of the, the thing that binds it all together, she starts off the film talking gibberish. Uh -huh. uh, although Luke, uh, apparently, um, I, I did read that Luke Besson had actually created in a proper language for her to speak and he actually noted down all the different words so he did have it in mind it's a bit like Klingon I guess somebody actually went to the trouble <laughs> yes. of actually writing it all down uh, so so it's interesting that language f plays quite an important part of the story and yet in the trailer there was no dialogue at all which I think could be perceived as a smart move for promotion in non-English speaking territories, mm, you know, mm. so, and you just allow the visuals and the world, you know, we will know once you've seen the movie that you're transported into the 23rd century and you've got all the characters and all the stars. I mean, certainly Bruce Willis will be known internationally, Gary Ullman. I think Mila Jojovic will have been known to some, but not all. And um, what the tour de force, you know, when she, she essentially reveals the character of Lilu. And then following, of course, the, um, the, the official trailer, you have the official poster, which is the one that 
I remember the most. And what we have here really is um, showcasing the urban world, really, which mm. is kind of, of interesting. We're back with the five vertical lines. And actually, uh, you know, I remember this, the, um, the a character is seen to be right in the centre of that, you know, longer vertical line mm. and being the fifth element, of course. So that teaser uh, campaign really got, um, you know, the, the kind of the media and informal uh, media as well talking. Yeah, absolutely. The second um, element, if I may use the term, of the marketing campaign is, of course, PR. I mean, this is 97, Roger, way, way, way before the internet that we know today. <laughs> so you have to use, you know, radio, TV, and newspapers, and they had so many hooks to choose from. So, for example, they could capitalize on the origin story of the fifth element. And mm -hmm. the was on TV, you know, across territories and radio and more, who revealed that actually this has been a story that he wrote as a novel at the age of 15 what <laughs> <laughs> the talented guy and it was only 10 years later when he began to you know work in film they thought oh, actually maybe i could make the fifth element um a film his challenge was that because he'd been tinkering and adding more he had a 400 pages manuscript <laughs> And he had to use the help of his um, partner, Mark Kamen, to take it down to a more sensible size. And, you know, the story goes that he'd, he'd written, really, The Fifth Element because he was bored uh, one summer. And actually, the character in the original Fifth Element was him trying to escape, you know, the boredom of his world and discovering, obviously, and being taken to an adventure. And he was stuck about the fifth element until he was helping his younger sister complete homework and discovered that Plato, um, a Greek philosopher, had actually come up with the idea of the four elements of water, earth, fire, and air, and the fifth element being the human being. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what I what is interesting, some of the visuals that you've dug out here, is that he the visual design of the film was inspired by effectively comic book artists. Yeah, they, the the two, uh, Jean Mobius, Giraud, and Jean-Claude Mézières, are very, very famous in, in France and the rest of, of mainland Europe. Uh, the culture of graphic novels is, is quite something. I mean, I want you to imagine 2000, 2000 AD, times a thousand in terms of the <laughs> impact uh, of the culture. It's not dissimilar to what Peter Jackson would do years later with Lord of the Rings, using the services of Alan Lee and John Howe, you know, the original illustrators of um, Tolkien, to bring that in. And so, yeah, the second hook they could have used in addition to, to the original story was the world of the fifth element. And talking about production, uh, I put some visuals for you in the show notes so you could see their style and their work. But talking production, the costumes have been much talked about in the press from 97 onwards because, of course, you had the uh, fashion designer Jean-Paul Gaultier working on it. And and this is one of the areas where, to me, it looked a bit Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking about the silly robots at the start, gigantic robots with funny little heads. And then the policemen, the policemen have the most ridiculous um, uniforms, which were so bulky and the helmets would, would have been so heavy that they wouldn't even have been able to walk in a straight line with them. But it was all part of the of the visual image of the film and it works but when you actually look at it you think this is a bit this is a bit ridiculous you know you would never design a uniform like that no absolutely and, and interestingly that the the uniform of the police officers that you saw yesterday for the first time <laughs> the they are part of a graphic novel uh, yeah. from mobius so for 
you know, people like me, we were just cheering, thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm seeing some of the things <laughs> I've read as a child on the big screen. Um, Jean-Paul Gaultier is famous to have said that he will never work on a film like this ever again. Because <laughs> he was exhausted. He said, I pretty much didn't sleep for six months. But he even got himself in a position where, do you remember the, the big scene when they arrive at the... Um, holiday destination yeah and there's like a big banquet no there's the opera and everything else he designed up to 900 costumes oh, and my he goodness. personally personally checked all of them uh, every morning my goodness i mean yeah the, the costumes were pretty impressive and the the, the last scene last few scenes which was sat when the the blue alien was singing the opera yeah. singer that was quite special i thought that they and the the costumes on display there were were really impressive so the other hook that they, they could use and have used actually for the PR machine was the music, the mm. fifth element, mm. com uh, with composed French composer Eric Serra. It would be known to you with Nikita, but also Goldeneye. Yeah. Remember Goldeneye, yeah. the, the music? And he's got a very unique style, if um, viewers and listeners know about him. He, he can combine classical instruments with modern sounds, and sometimes he almost sounds like somebody's banging on, on metal tubes and so on, <laughs> and he brings all, all this together very, very neatly. Yeah. I have, there was a few parts during the film there was there was one i thought oh that music sounds a bit like walking on the moon by the police uh yeah. I, i'm sure it was a complete coincidence well oh, oh but maybe he just got inspiration from from songs like that when we're talking about hooks of the pr machine i mean one that of course the press went for is the budget mm. in 1997 um this cost roughly 90 million mm. and this was the most expensive european films ever made at the time and he kind of kept uh, that uh, badge of honor for quite some time it also remained the highest grossing french film in the international market for quite some time until actually a comedy called the um the then to the intouchables in 2011 so uh, in terms of its legacy and its impact in popular culture uh, it, it is quite something and then of course as a hook they've got to use the stars of the fifth element yeah bruce willis i mean as i say um he will always be john mcclane but maybe this is the first film and the only film that not only has he still got hair but it's blonde hair as opposed to dark hair which yeah. i always associate with bruce willis now, if you wouldn't mind looking at the, the show notes, I've prepared a few visuals for you. I put just for uh, our viewers and listeners who want to see them. So you, you know what Bruce Willis looked like, obviously, um, in The Fifth Element. I've put a picture for you of Luc Besson at the premiere of um, you know, The Fifth Element at Cannes Film Festival. Would you say that there is a bit of a resemblance between Luc Besson's hairdo and, and um, what he's wearing and <laughs> Corbin Dallas? Yeah, I think maybe he was trying to uh, try trying to uh, layer himself over over the top of Bruce's uh, persona. There, <laughs> I remember that the Fifth Element was written as a story about. Luc Besson's himself bored on earth leaving uh, to a, you know, a much better place so I think there's a link there um, so yes um, you know all of them you know Milan Dutrovic um, Gary Oldman magazines literally covered them um, extensively and that led to you know really quite a significant um, PR machine not to mention the layer of advertising for TV spots radio spots and so on but the third element of this marketing campaign is of course the premiere at the film festival yeah now this film was it, it received mixed response didn't it 
Oh, completely. So, you know, the, the premiere uh, took place at the 50th Canton Festival on the 7th of May, which is the fifth month of the year. So you can have wished for a better time to kind of play on the, the number five uh, and that kind of things. And people were treated to like um, a massive market where the world of the fifth element was being created. And I suppose... Uh, Luc Besson, the filmmakers and the investors sat there thinking, we, we, we've we got this, you know, we, we've done the, uh, the the test screening with the audience, it's going to work well. And actually, critics in particular were very, very divided. I mean, it's not just minded divided, there was people who literally hated the movie, and all those who thought this was amazing. Yeah, I think, um, as, as I say, for, for me, visually, it was stunning, love the story, love the actors, but the tone of it just didn't land with me sometimes and maybe it was that is this trying to be too funny is it a comedy is it it's, it wasn't slapstick comedy as i say it was a little bit off the wall maybe a bit hitchhiker's guide as i say and maybe that's what didn't land with with some of the critics but having said that they 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 fought back didn't they and and famously barry norman was incredibly disparaging of this film and yep. basically bruce willis <laughs> well he didn't say yippee ki uh yeah but he did say who cares what critics think <laughs> i remember watching there was the barry norman film review and I mean, when Bruce Willis said that, I literally cheered and applauded because, <laughs> and then Bruce Willis carried on to say, you know, what we set down to do was a movie to entertain families and to essentially take you away to a different world this summer. And we succeeded. And who cares what critics think? That is the first time I believe I've heard anyone involved in filmmaking to take on the critics. Uh, Luc Besson was a more diplomatic, shall we say. Yeah. Interestingly enough, they've started publishing uh, some of Barry Norman's interviews from the um, uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Barry Norman's reviews, sorry. Uh, so I did go and look, but they haven't published the, um, <laughs> the Fifth one. Element one yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll watch that when it comes out. And the Final kind of element of the campaign where they had some element of control, so four plus the um, critics' kind of uh, reactions, is the home media campaign. And the reason why I put it in there, Roger, is because looking back at media from 98, 99 onwards, there was clearly, clearly um, evidence that people had loved the fifth element and wanted to own a copy, but also people had missed it hearing about uh, from fans like myself. So I've got to see this movie. So <laughs> we had, of course, the VHS, which is what I own, Lace Disc and DVD, in the Christmas 97. So remember, this movie came out in May. It was a summer release. And within no time, which is, again, new for the, for the time period, you, you could buy the fifth element as a present to yourself or a loved one for Christmas. Then a few years later, we had the Ultimate Edition 2DVD uh, box set, which I do own as well. <laughs> that was 2005. And the first Blu-ray came out a year later. So people were a bit annoyed, thinking, well, I just bought the, the DVD. If I'd waited a bit longer, I could have had the Blu-ray. But the Blu-ray release didn't actually go down very well. Really? That's interesting. I, I would have thought that uh, the 4K Ultra HD version would have looked absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so you had to wait till 2017 for that. But the first Blu-ray came out in 2006, barely months after the DVDs. So hang on, I'm going to have to pay twice now. And when they did do, 
I hasten to it, I didn't because I, I'm a bit more sensible than that. When they did do, it was purely a transfer from DVD to Blu-ray. There was no, it wasn't better in terms of images and it wasn't better in terms of sound and there was no uh, more special features. The, the complaint was so severe that actually Sony for the first time almost recalled the first batch of Blu-rays and released um, a new one a year later. Oh, that's interesting. So what have they got in store for the 25th anniversary? <laughs> so we've had the pleasure of going through the anniversary campaign, the 10th anniversary, the 20th anniversary, and the 25th anniversary. And incredibly, bear in mind that the US in particular were very critical and the film critics were very harsh on the fifth element. In the US, starting merely in a couple of weeks' time, they're going to have a uh, the screening of the fifth element in more than 800 cinemas, Roger. Wow. I mean, that, that, uh, that that's incredible, isn't it? And obviously, at the time of the original launch i mean luke besson having spent so much time trying to get this film to the screen must have been a bit disappointed with some of the reactions but i guess now 25 years later on the fact that he's going to be packing out 800 cinemas must be making him feel pretty chuffed with himself i would have thought Oh, completely. And, and maybe that's, there's a, there's a lesson for all content creators out there. I mean, Sony Pictures have got the rights to the movie now. I've even re-released -re a teaser trailer where actually they reveal more of the story. It's almost like, remember how much you enjoy Fifth Element? Go back and buy the 4K or go to the cinema. There's even imdb.com, um, which suggests to me because they are owned by Amazon Prime that we may have a fifth element on Amazon as well very, very soon. But personally, I'd be talking to my local cinema manager to say, can we have a screening of the fifth element? It's the anniversary. <laughs> it's uh, it's very, very, very important. So, listen, I can't thank you enough to agreeing to <laughs> uh, review the marketing fifth element, even though you'd never seen the movie <laughs> until, until last night. And I thought it would be apt to maybe leave the final words to Luc Besson himself. He was interviewed for the 20th anniversary of the movie by um, The Nerdist, which is also more on my go-to um, film news website. And this is what Luc Besson said at the time. It's surprising because at the beginning, when the film opened in the US, the critics were awful. But I think the biggest pleasure for a director is getting to see that 20 years later, your film is still alive and goes from generation to generation. I have seen through the 20 years, 50-year-olds discovering the film for the first time, that's you, Roger, and then giving the DVD to a 12-year-old. I've seen all of that, and it's just amazing. I don't think I can top that in terms of uh, finishing off this section of the show, Pascal, so I won't do that i shall just finish the show full stop that was episode 79 of two geeks and a marketing podcast and as always it was absolutely great to talk about all the amazing content all the amazing marketing the tech the apps and of course that really interesting film the fifth element and your enthusiasm for that film is absolutely infectious and boundless as always pascal thank you everybody so much for listening and watching to two geeks in the marketing podcast we really do appreciate you watching and listening and if you've got any feedback for us if you want to give us any suggestions about what we should review what we should talk about any tech that we've missed let us know leave us a comment on the uh, youtube channel or you can use speakpipe to give us your feedback pascal just remind me again how do people use speakpipe 
Yes, you go online, speakpipe.com forward slash two gigs and a marketing podcast. Fantastic. So until the next episode, thank you so much once again for watching or listening. Go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.